what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, artists, entrepreneurs, innovators, hustlers, people in and around the world that are in their thing, they're on their vibe, they're doing things differently, they're drawing outside the lines. Um, they're All of you that listen to this show probably in some way are doing something different than the way society has taught you to, and our guests would easily agree. That's why I bring them on every week to talk about you know the journey as you guys know, I repeat it every week. I say we don't glamorize or glorify in success. It's not overnight. It definitely is different for every single person. Success has a different meaning for every single person. Uh, and it does for our guests as it does for all of you. And so I, I, I set on this mission to humanize the entrepreneurial journey, that creative journey, so you guys can see that everybody's always going through something, as you guys know. And as you guys have been hearing over 300 episodes now, you see that Everybody has something that they're passionate about, that they're, they're experiencing in real time um, and has been part of, you know, how they've been moving and how they've been building. But they're also figuring it out. So it definitely helps connect all of you to them in just the same. And of course, you guys can continue to reach out to all of them. Uh, I appreciate each and every one of you guys. Uh, for those of you that are have been following for a while and listening, thank you guys so much. For those of you that are new, thank you so much. I'm Matt Gottesman, um, host of this show, Hustle Sold Separately and the founder of it. And you guys can follow me at Matt Gottesman on Instagram for all the other endeavors, which I probably have to update here even soon because there's just new things coming out all the time. If you want to join in the conversation on create the intersection of creativity, uh, culture, and entrepreneurship, then you can definitely join, a, uh, join me on my other account at HDF Magazine. And of course, you can follow at Hustle Sold Separately on Insta as well. Uh, we've got another great episode here because we're going to be talking about being adaptable. And the fact that it allows you to take part in more opportunities as well as create your own. Adaptation is everything. I pretty much do this on a daily basis with everything, mostly because people are predictably unpredictable. And so is life, as my guest and I were going to really talk about. And I'm excited to have my guest on, Cole Cameron. He's an entrepreneur, founder, and photographer. I'll get into his bio here in a, in a second. Um, but I was really uh, excited when he chose this particular subject because... Um, adaptation and flexibility are everything. Um, if you don't, in my opinion, and, and let's, we'll see what Cole has to say about this as well too, but in my opinion, without this, um, you can get stuck more often and stay in a kind of a frequency that um, doesn't allow you to move because you're hanging on to you know, an expectation or hanging on to how you think something should turn out or, or, or um, you know, a way that you think something should happen versus allowing you to adapt to the uh, opportunities that are coming into your world, whether you think that they are opportunities or not. Sometimes they're disguised. So you have to be very, very adaptable and flexible and detached in a lot of ways so you can see what's really going on versus, no, it has to be this way. Life has to be this way. This job has to be this way. This uh, entrepreneurial venture has to be this way, this relationship, et cetera. Um, so we're going to talk about pretty much everything. It's probably going to get very deep. Uh, but, uh, Cole, you know, uh, I've, I've known about his work for a little while. I've, I've seen a, a little bit of it. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Uh, born in Arizona, grew up in Ogden, Utah, attended ASU and then moved to LA after being cast in an Abercrombie and Fitch campaign. I thought that was really cool. Uh, that's some old school stuff right there. I got him here in the studio. So he's like, just nodding like what <laughs> moved to Chicago from LA, uh, after being convinced to do so by his Chicago agency. Uh, he actually hated modeling, uh, missed football. So he tried out for an arena football team called the rush played for three years, uh, arena ball for a few different teams. Uh, was bartending at the same time at a nightclub in Chicago. Uh, he then blew his knee out, moved home to have reconstructive surgery and picked up photography was hired immediately by Bruce Weber to assist him on Ralph Lauren polo campaign. That's a pretty big deal. Then assisted Bruce in Miami sporadically while working full-time in Las Vegas as a brand manager for a vodka and gin company. And then was hired by Annie Leibovitz. Uh, so for any of you guys know, like Aunt, that's a big deal, man. <laughs> that's a seriously big deal when I saw that uh, to assist on a Vogue cover uh, shoot. And it inspired him to pursue photography full time. Uh, Andy would do that for most people. 
uh, he opened House Photo Studios to provide a unique space for creatives in the Phoenix Valley at a reasonable price. Also started uh, piecing together the Honest Huckster, an event bartending company, and Frequent Vibes, a music journalism and photography venture. So we might get into that if he wants to talk about that as well. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate having you here, man. Glad to be here. Man, that's, uh, that's, uh, I, I love the journey of, um, and the first question, I'm going to get into the first question in a minute, but I love the journey of like allowing these things into your life and being flexible to be like, there may be something here. Let me, let me see what that's about. But before, before I, I go on a tear, like, tell me a little bit about like you, the first question is always the same. How do we get here? Like to where you're at now and, and a little bit about this journey that I just kind of laid out. It sounds really weird having someone else talk about it, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's been a series of events that I have just been open to. Um, as far as uh, allowing myself to be part of them. Um, and it's kind of like one of those things, too, where uh, if I feel it, I just kind of go for it. Um, I never really had a set plan growing up. And, um, and I think the blueprint of what you just said is, uh, is a pretty good example of how my life has kind of played out thus far. Um, so you, you, so you went, so right out of school, that's it. You jumped, you're like, I'm going to LA. Well, actually I came down here to ASU. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I, uh, <laughs> while I was at ASU, I was working at an Abercrombie and Fitch store mm. and, um, this guy came in that worked for corporate and he was casting for the summer 2008 campaign and, uh, Somehow we hit it off. Uh, he was in the Arabian horse industry, weird enough, which is actually what my dad did prior to uh, having a corporate career. And uh, we got to talking about that. And probably two or three days later, he called me and said, hey, do you want to come down to Miami and shoot this campaign? Huh. And uh, kind of took off from there. I didn't really, <clears throat> it kind of uh, was a weird experience in that I didn't really have any experience in that right. uh, until that point. And... Um, it didn't really set me up for a realistic view of that industry. Interesting. Because you get there and there's like 30 beautiful people and it's like a summer camp and Bruce Weber really kind of like puts together like a really great team and creates this kind of like fantasy. Um, and you're getting paid good money and, uh, and that's not modeling. That's just not how that works, especially in the male modeling world. Um, after that, it just really kind of like reality set in and it left a really bad taste in my mouth. Mm. And, um, and it's one of those things that I just decided early on. I, I probably only did it for like a year and a half and I, I knew that it's not what I wanted to do. Um, and it's weird looking back at it too, cause I'm 33 now and the majority of the people that I knew on that shoot are still pursuing that career. And it's like, you're, you're, you're played out. You're too old for it. Like you, you can't do it. So anymore. there is an age limit. Um, more so for girls. Uh, but for guys, yeah, there still is. I mean, it's, it's genetics. I mean, like everybody, you know, you don't stay lean forever. You don't, you know, have a full head of hair forever. And, there's a couple of guys that can last into their fifties and they are these silver foxes that do, uh, you know, a suit campaign for, right. uh, Brooks brothers or whatever. But, um, no, there's definitely a limit. Well, and you know, and it seems like, um, kind of to the conversation we were having before we even got on here that, yeah. um, not as much control over your destiny by relying on others to kind of say whether Absolutely. or not you whether or not you're validated for a yeah. you know for this campaign or not which uh, I, which I get if there's somebody's going for a certain look but at the same time it's like but you're not necessarily you know as much in control or you hope as not as much in control of your well, your destiny it starts off just by essentially winning the genetic lottery it's like congratulations you have a pretty face now it's like all right work ethic plays into it a little bit but it's really timing and luck mm. And uh, there's there's zero control over your destiny in that. And then you moved and then so the transition to photography is pretty cool because, I mean, these are some pretty epic people that you got to work with. What how did that transition after the, you know, the arena ball and the, the reconstructive surgery? What what uh, 
what was that process? Because, you know, photography, it's cool what's happening now. I think we're living in a day and age where uh, painters, yeah. uh, photographers, podcasters, uh, musicians own more of their creativity than ever before. Yep. Don't have to die to make money. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and can actually run their creativity like a business. We've had this conversation several times on, yeah. the, on the podcast about um, managing your creative side as a business. We're living through a very great day and age to be able to do that. Um, well, what's so, cool is we have a platform to do so. Right. I mean, with social media, with Instagram, um, you can live in the middle of nowhere and have a career. Whereas, you know, 10, 20, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever, you had to live in L.A. You had to live in New York. You had to go to Paris. You had to do something in order to be discovered. And now you you can put out whatever you want to put out on your platform on this little computer that fits in your pocket yep and you know you're you're li- you're unlimited with who can see your content ain't it great yeah it's amazing <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Really amazing well and and the cool thing is is uh I'll send, i tell a lot of creatives this uh, i saw on um a recent study uh the top five jobs of like from like 2020 on or something like that um in the top five one of them was photography videography really because of uh for content creation because of how many like brands and uh marketing need need they need content in a in a in a very data-driven content-driven world that we live in now so it's like coming in i mean and obviously you're photography from a lot of different standpoints and especially from art and uh you know and creative and campaigns and all this stuff um, but yeah, so talk about like, so that, that transition into photography, getting that start with, uh, you know, some of these, these, uh, you know, iconic names and then saying, you know what, I, I want to do this full time. Um, I always kind of joke about it. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> like the movie Forrest Gump where he just kind of like falls into things. Right. And then he just goes head on. Um, I always joke that I like, I'll throw my hat in the ring with like, assisting when I reached out to Bruce Weber, it was like, I didn't even really know how to use a camera. And, uh, my parents at the time were like, well, I think there's probably a lot of people that want to assist for Bruce Weber. Um, trying to kind of like temper it and be like, you're not going to get picked up by this. And, um, the thing that a lot of people allow, uh, themselves to be held back by is they don't think that they're ready. So none of us can, are. No, never. <laughs> you're you're never ready. So you just have to you just have to go for it. You have to you have to put yourself out there and if you get rejected, you do it again. And you keep doing it until you get what you want. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing too is that you weren't discouraged no. um to ask. The the funny thing is I didn't know enough to <laughs> I I didn't know any better. Like I just well, it worked in your favor. In a yeah. way, the you know, being naive about the situation, about how big somebody... Like, I, I never looked at people as like, you're so big that I can't approach you. Yeah. I looked at them as human beings. Yeah. But the rest of the world sometimes be like, do you know who you're talking to? I'm like... Absolutely. Another dude that is really <laughs> interested into music or is really interested in fashion. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, no, but that's so-and-so. I'm like, yes. And they deserve to be treated with respect like a human being. And I, I won't know if I don't ask them a Absolutely. question. You know? So, Absolutely. You know, I just, I never saw, I mean, maybe that was partially the way I was raised as well. But I mean, um, but you, you demonstrated a very important lesson, which is you just asked. Yeah. And, and then, and, what, and, and so what happened when you asked him, like, how did he, how did he, obviously he responded because you did some stuff with so him. But I, like, reached, I reached out to the guy that had originally cast me for Abercrombie and Fitch, um, this guy named Joel DeMardo. And, um, he put me in touch with uh, Shahid and Company, which was uh, they put together all of Bruce's shoots. They produced all of them, basically from Calvin Klein in the 1980s until uh, Abercrombie in the 90s and 2000s, and then uh, the Polo Ralph Lauren stuff. Um, so I talked to Shahid and Company, and they put me in contact with Bruce's first assistant. Two days later, they flew me out to Miami. Damn. Yeah, it was weird because I like. I sent them Damn. my <laughs> like portfolio <laughs> and it was uh it was basically like pictures of rocks and trees that were just weren't even any good. Do you think natural talent a little bit played into that too? Because For I mean sure. obviously he saw some cuz I mean, you know, cuz anybody then obviously could I mean, do you think the 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 ability to say I already had a small connection with you? I did. Yeah. You know, I mean, just if we're being a that little did, bit of that definitely yeah. played a yeah. role. But, like, oh, look, um, some raw talent, and I've seen him before. I've met him before. I shot him before. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's shot so many people, and he he said when I when I met up with him again, he's like, oh yeah, I remember you, and I'm like, right. 
There's no way. You've had a 40-year career. You shoot. That's energy. Literally hundreds of people a day. And um, what's crazy is, like, every shoot that I was a part of, everybody that was on set, he knew their name. Like, we did a shoot with um, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen, and they had this, uh, like, group of probably 15 young musicians that were part of the shoot. They're, like, kids anywhere from, like, 5 to 10 years old. And he knew every single one of their names and every single one of their parents' names. Mm. Details. Yeah. That, you know, the thing is, is, like, I think that's where kind of back to our conversation before we, we, we jumped on about, like, there are certain people out there that the integrity and the, um, the details and the mastery of their craft and yeah. like they're, they're really in it so, so Absolutely. much so that there's a, a, a level of respect that's just like, wow, like they're, they're really, really on it for their yeah. thing. And you know, when we come across them, we're like, okay, like, and there's lessons learned from watching that, yeah. you know? So, so he saw some raw talent. So you went and did some stuff with him. I went and shot with him, uh, on a couple of different spreads. And, uh, at the same time I was working in Vegas, uh, for the, uh, alcohol company that you mentioned. And, um, it was kind of soul crushing. Uh, mm. I was on the strip literally every single day from like, uh, like 10 o'clock in the morning till like three o'clock mm. at night. And, um, I just got to a point where I was burned out, was yep. making good money. I hated it. Um, I was telling my parents at the time, I was like, I'm going to quit. Like, I just want to pursue photography and maybe Bruce will hire me full time to uh, photo assist him. There just wasn't enough work for, I was essentially a sixth assistant, which just, there aren't enough high paying shoots to include six assistants. Mm. So, uh, I reached out to Annie Leibovitz's camp and, uh, that was a weird thing altogether because she didn't have a website. And I looked up her studio online and it just was like this third party site that listed her studio number. And I called the number and the receptionist was like, Hey, this is Annie Leibowitz studio. Like, you know, I was like, okay. <laughs> I didn't think that I would just go straight to this. Um, I, I said, Hey, are you guys looking for any photo assistance? And she was like, well, what have you done? And I listed out, you know, what I had shot with Bruce. And then she put me in touch with Annie's first assistant. We talked for probably 15 minutes and he's like, can you be here tomorrow morning? And wow. I hopped on a red eye flight and got into New York at seven o'clock in the morning, went straight to the shoot location in Brooklyn, uh, met with the team. They were just setting up for, uh, the shoot the next the following day. Um, and they're like, all right, let's go to the next location. Uh, you're going to drive this box truck. And it's like this 30 foot long box truck. <laughs> and I'd never even driven in New York to begin with. Right. That's crazy. It was probably $3 million worth of, worth of equipment that was in there. And, wow. uh, and I just got in and drove to the next location. I hope everybody listening is getting the idea of adaptation. Oh, you need to be here tomorrow. Done. Yeah. Oh, you need to drive this truck. Done. Yep. You know, uh, you were, it's funny, the second ago when you were talking, I was just, I was thinking about how um, another valuable lesson for anybody listening, more often than not, um, first of all, I've reached out to all kinds of people for the podcast. And you, it's the same thing. Like, some of them don't have websites. Yeah. They don't have the URLs. And then, or you do. And then they're like, it's like, a, it could be like just like a manager. Yeah. And they put their, and it's funny, even on, on, on Instagram, they put their managers like phone number, like contact so and so. I know. Most people don't reach out. I just text or I call like, hey, uh, this is, you know, Mag Osman with the Hustle Out Separately podcast. And it's amazing how they're like, we'd be honored. <laughs> you know, yeah. So I mean, well, in, okay, and in fairness, you had something to offer. I shot with Bruce Weber. Here's the campaigns I've done. Or I could say, oh, yeah, you know, Forbes Future Podcast, uh, you know, and there's other things, but we're only focused on the podcast and so and so. So people are approachable more than we think now more than ever. Surprisingly so. And what's funny is uh, prior to that, I had reached out to, I don't know, 20 or 30 photographers, both here and in L.A. and just kind of like, you know, more mid-level right. <clears throat> people that I thought like, oh, these are these are people that I could assist. Right. And, um, not, not, a, no, not a single one of right? them actually replied. I know. Yeah. I know. So I was like, all right, who would I really want to assist? And there was a, there was a list of three people and, um, a lot of them are in trouble for the me too thing now, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was Bruce Weber, <clears throat> Annie Leibowitz and Mario Testino. And, um, so after I worked with Annie, which wasn't necessarily the best experience, she's not, 
friendly in any sense of the word. Um, I reached out to Mario's group and um, that was the last photographer I was supposed to assist. And it's kind of a flighty industry. Mm. Uh, I was supposed to assist them in LA and the night before um, they called me and said, Hey, we're going to go to Australia in the morning instead. And um, that's kind of what led me to just pursue my own thing entirely. Yeah. Just, I mean, there's a lot of those assistants that have been working for their, um, the, the main photographer for, you know, 15, 20 years. And, um, I realized pretty early on that I never really wanted to be one of those people either. Right. Well, I, we're living through a very interesting time where I feel like every industry in one way or another is getting rocked yeah. because the old paradigm of doing things yes. is not working with a new generation. And by the way, when I say new generation, I don't mean an age either. No, just a new, right. a new generation of doing things. Uh, and all ages of people waking up and be like, you know what? Okay. Yeah. Enough is enough of how it used to be done, but I can't complain. It's a bit revolutionary. Right. right? It's yeah. very, every yeah. industry is experiencing yes. it. Like, yep. and because like you mentioned with all these platforms, it's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to put my hand in and see if I can, if I can do it the way I would envision to doing it. So that's kind of what led me to the next venture. I, um, <laughs> Similar storyline. Uh, I reached out to this men's fashion magazine uh, based out of New York called At Large. Uh, I had been in a Barnes and Noble in Tempe. I had a meeting and I had seen this magazine that was like incredibly beautiful. And uh, I, I looked at it and said, that's the type of stuff that I want to do. That's who I want to work with. Um, I looked up the editor um, on Instagram um, and I reached out to him just through direct messaging. And I was like, hey, uh, <laughs> That's funny. I, I said, hey, uh, if you ever need any assisting on any of your shoots, uh, let me know. This is what I've done. And um, similar thing. He's like, hey, you know, you should just swing by. Um, we're in Chinatown. Uh, just swing by, show us your portfolio, and we'll, we'll chat. And uh, I was like, all right, well, let me know when that's when a good time is. And they're like, how about tomorrow? And I booked a red-eye flight <laughs> on, <laughs> to, to New York from Arizona. <laughs> And, um, your frequent flyer, Miles yeah, right. Just getting up there right now at this point. <laughs> I, uh, I showed him my portfolio and he was like, all right, uh, well, we want to use you for a shoot. Uh, we want to have you actually contribute. And it was a big deal to me because, um, some of the photographers that I had worked for up until this point were contributors to this magazine. Mm -hmm. And it felt like I was kind of evening that playing field. Um, I went out to Nebraska the next day and I spent three months um, building one of my dad's farmhouses and I didn't hear anything back from them for probably six months. Mm. I would just keep emailing him and I'd say, hey, what do you think about this idea? And it was nothing. And then finally, like uh, probably a year later, they reached out to me and they're like, hey, um, we need this spread and we need it in a week. Um, it's this it's this write up on the Hueco tanks uh bouldering in uh in Texas. Hmm. So I look at my timeline and the next day is fourth of July and this is a national park and I'm like, I don't know if it's gonna be open tomorrow, I have no idea. Um I know that the rental car places are gonna be closed. I don't wanna put you know, I don't wanna drive my car for fourteen hours and take a couple of pictures and then drive back uh so i ran a car that day um just like a little toyota good on gas mileage you know 40 miles per gallon plus uh and then i go out to hueco tanks with my dog the next day um <laughs> and i drove seven hours there i show up to the park it's open for 30 more minutes wow i take a bunch of pictures of rocks I head home, I submit all the images the next day, they're thrilled with them, and uh, they're like, cool, uh, you should contribute to our next um, our next issue, which is the music issue. I was like, all right. Um, so I pitched a bunch of ideas uh, based on musicians that I liked at the time, and Randall was a pretty particular guy. He's, um, he's this French guy that's obsessed with Americana, hated all of my ideas <laughs> just like shot every single one of them down i was um i was bartending part-time uh at this point in time and uh i mentioned this idea 
um, to one of the patrons that came into the bar. And um, the fact that I was shooting for this issue and I didn't really know where to go. And she goes, oh, you should shoot uh, this country band uh, called Midland. And I was like, okay, I, I've heard of them. They have a song on the radio right now. And uh, she's like, here, I, I have a friend that's photographed them before uh, that works for this magazine here in town. And she sent me their information and I reached out to them and they were like, yeah, we're not going to put you in contact with Midland. <laughs> they're like, they're like, they're too famous now. I don't even think we can get in contact with them. I was like, oh, shoot. Um, okay. So I kind of went back to the drawing board. I looked at their, uh, their Instagram account and they had an email and uh, I clicked on that email and I typed up a little message on my iPhone saying, hi, my name's Cole Cameron. I'm shooting uh, for the music issue of at large, blah, 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 blah. And I got a message back uh, the following day saying, when can you come shoot them? Yep. And um, <laughs> not surprised. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> it was really, really hard. Musicians are especially hard because their their schedules are really hectic. Um, and they've got like, they've got their label, they've got their, um, they've got their tour manager, they've got their management company. They've got all these people that kind of like control what they're doing and when they're doing it. So finding a, an open period of time in a, in a, in, in a short turnaround is very difficult to do with them. So I had to be very flexible. And originally I was supposed to fly out to, um, Wisconsin and, uh, shoot them at this, uh, this country, um, music festival and, uh, and then ride with them on their bus for a couple of days. Hmm. That wasn't going to work out because they ended up having too many people on their bus and they just haven't, didn't have anywhere to put me. So I flew out to, um, Cincinnati, Ohio, a couple dates later, and I drove two hours to the middle of nowhere to this place called Fort Loramie, Ohio. And um, I'm supposed to meet them at like 10 o'clock in the morning. I show up. You never have any of the credentials that you need to actually get into these places. They always say like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like our tour manager will make sure that, you know, when you get to the right. gate, like you're good to go. And it's like I got to make 15 phone calls when I get there because none of my stuff is there. Um, <laughs> I drive in. I call them nothing. I have no idea where they are. Turns out I was parked right next to them, but <laughs> they call me two hours later. They're hungover. They wake up. They're like, all right, we're ready to shoot now. And I feel like that has just been the consistent theme, the consistent trend of uh, especially anything in the creative industry is like it's like you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and then you get an opportunity and you just have to go with it right then and there. Well, I mean, the cool thing is, is you're you're always prepared. <laughs> You're always prepared, but like, uh, and you know, and you also kind of show that um, uh, the ability to ask, you know, where so many people are so limiting. Yeah. And you're very solution oriented where it's like, yeah, I'll just, like, you you know, I'll just go on Instagram. Oh, here's where I just contact them. Yeah. I, I, I think that people, you know, whether creative or not, just in general, I mean, obviously, you already have something to offer. So you're just moving forward with something that's already like happening. I mean, it's not, I, cause I'm not recommending just audience members to just be like, Oh, I just want to contact whoever, whenever it's yeah. like, no, I mean, you're, you're approaching because you're, you're here to contribute value, your master, your craft, whatever, but that it's actually easier. And the other thing that you pointed out too, about going after sometimes the, the bigger people, I agree with that because, um, sometimes the not as big are maybe they're also in their heads or like i always assume like oh let's collaborate absolutely doesn't always work that way like yeah. sometimes people some people are like who are you oh and i see your work and oh you're a threat and you're like oh, yeah i don't have time for this yeah but um the people quote I, I mean not to use the word like on top but like um it's not that they're lonely it's just that they wish more people would join them and they're like oh uh they thank get you for asking where they're unapproachable they're unapproachable yeah. and i've always looked at them as approachable so yeah it go where the crowd is where go where it's less crowded yep go like oh well not, not as many people are approaching them and if you've got good work to offer them in value it's like boom there they there you yeah. go and they're like oh thank you we were looking for somebody like you and you're like perfect timing yeah because nobody was approaching them yeah <laughs> you know so I, I think it's cool that you you demonstrated that repeatedly time after time after time and that should inspire an audience of like wait a minute maybe i'm making it harder yes you are people overthink it everything everything uh it's really simple and uh it's one of those things too where 
you know, you can feel a stagnation uh, in a creative industry as well, where you feel like you're just kind of waiting around for other people to say yes or to do whatever. Just keep knocking on doors. You have to move forward every day. You know, I, I it, it back to adaptation though too. Like when you were mentioning, um, you know, you wait, you waited, you went and built uh, for three months. Yeah, you know, and then. Um, I didn't have anything else going on. Right. Like my dad was like, hey, I've got an old farmhouse in Nebraska that I was thinking about tearing down. Uh, do you want to go out and remodel it? Because uh, basically the quote that they had gotten was astronomical. Yeah. And um, I was like, all right. Yeah. Adapt. Yep. You know, and then uh, six months goes by. And so I was taking some notes early on this. That's all I yeah. had at all. <laughs> and then six months goes by. You then send, you know, an email like, how about some of this stuff? Yeah. Uh, oh, we're not really sure. A year pops up. Hey, how about this? Yes, done. Yeah. And like the adaptation of not being so attached, but also, I mean, I'm sure that there's there are probably moments of frustration because we're oh, all for sure. human beings, absolutely. absolutely. Yep. But that ability to not hold on to it so long that when the opportunity does strike, because you were able then to move through with it, and yeah. why is that important for anybody listening too? Like that because that built your credibility. Absolutely. Now Cole, who has his you know house photo studios, who's got his different ventures. The credibility is like, no, this man has 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 done some things, particularly in photography, uh, worth admiring. And without, you know, those expectations and being able to adapt and being able to say, yeah, all right, I'll take the opportunity well, and that, not hold on to the, any kind of bitterness. Right? I, I just understood, too, that that one shoot would lead to other opportunities. Um, there were people that saw that that were I mean, like uh, <laughs> it was funny. So. I'll, I'll kind of rewind. Um, I ended up doing that shoot. Uh, the management company uh, that managed Midland ended up loving it. Uh, they set me up with a couple of their clients and it just kind of like, it's like, yep. um, it just spreads it. Like you, you have your sneezers, you have your coffers that basically say, okay, well, Cole's really good at this. I'm gonna throw his hat in the ring. And then it leads to me shooting someone else for another publication and then a brand seeing that and reaching out to me yep. either via Instagram or, you know, through a friend of a friend. And um, it's just one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads mm -hmm. to another. And you just have to be very open to it. When preparation meets opportunity. Absolutely. Right. And and then again, and that's that's exactly what it is. And so people don't realize like. Uh, you know, I did a post the other day you only have to, uh, from Jay-Z. You only have to be right once. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And in your case, you were right. You know, there were several times. Yeah. But once led to another, led to another, led to another. And then and that's the progression and, and the process, which I think the impatience that people, <clears throat> you know, take on of the wanting it now. And I'm like, but do you like yeah. I, I, it did? It took me quite a few years to really understand, like, oh, I get it. The process really is where where the mastery and the craft and the tweaking and the creating and the molding, the shaping and doing it your way and growing the way you want to grow. And you actually, you're actually more, I believe you're more in control of your destiny when, you're, when you're part of the process. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, and there is something to be said about being specialized. I mean, I know a lot of photographers in the field that are, Generalists. they are, you know, they're portrait photographers. They are celebrity portrait photographers. They are, um, you know, they do music tour photography. Mm -hmm. They do fashion I've shot all of that and I find something interesting in all aspects yes. of those different realms. Um, and I don't want to sell myself short or limit myself based off of like, I know what I'm good at. I'm, I'm a good portrait photographer. Um, but that's not to say that I won't go out on tour with yeah. a band, which, which I have done. And it's a lot of fun and I end up getting some good images and, um, it just, you know, it allows you to, meet more people and you know, do different projects yeah you know uh this is one of many reasons we get along it's it's interesting because i look at people would uh would say especially in podcasting i, I was also it was not your normal podcaster type although it, yeah. it definitely fits now that <laughs> looking back at a lot of things but you know getting to it four or five years ago i went i believe you can go deep in a wide way yeah um like you did with no i'm going to shoot several different things because it's more about the energy and the character of what you're looking for in each thing Absolutely. that makes a staple um, within each thing, not just, oh, I'm only fashion, or I'm only this. And, and so, because there was a lot of people who said like, oh, I don't get it, why do you, you feature a wide array of, of industries? I'm like, I'm, I'm documenting a very specific character type yeah. within these industries 
who are demonstrating um, a certain level of depth and humility or, um, you know, and confidence and all these different things. Yeah. So I'm basically, you know, but there are a wide array You're of casting industries. casting a wide net. Uh, casting a wide net, but yep. going deep on personality yep. and um, the depth of, of them as a, as a human being and what, and, and there's similarities in each and every one of you. Well, and there's still risk involved in that too. I mean, I shot, uh, I, I was on tour with this, this band um, called The Score and uh, At Large reached out to me for doing another spread. Um, this time um, it was gonna be a Gucci exclusive. Mm -hmm. So it was a good opportunity because I knew like some higher ups were gonna see it. Um, <laughs> I pitched him this idea uh, where we went out to I wanted to just do something cool here, locally based. Uh, we went out to the Native American reservation, uh, the Apache Indian reservation, and uh, we shot these uh, Apache um, young teenagers and 20-somethings that were skateboarders wearing Gucci. Super cool idea. Shot the spread, sent it into my editor. He's like, I hate this <laughs> he's, he's like this is garbage he tore me apart he told me i was the worst photographer he'd ever seen blah 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 and i'm listening to him just berate me for like 15 minutes and i go okay so you're not going to use the pictures he's like no 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 we're going to give you a 12 page spread but we're not going to use you for anything else i was like okay what's funny is huh. there were certain people in the fashion industry that saw that that reached out to me because of that spread and here he is telling me how garbage it is and he's still going to use it in the magazine uh, we can never believe uh, what people say you know i i find that uh I, I think i did a post about this the other day about um happy people don't you know um try to make you miserable miserable people don't try to make you happy yeah and so there's it's words are interesting and you almost kind of have you almost have to develop an attitude of, of smiling like so you didn't like it like, yeah yes something good is really coming <laughs> from this like what what do you mean like there's something inside of you that's triggered so that's cool yeah. you might want to deal with that I, yep. I get it but that means i must have pushed some kind button. of boundary yep. and some kind of button yep. that's gonna gain, garner some kind of attention it's just developing that mindset of not yeah. getting psyched out, which I, I can understand because, you know, it, it hits hard. Like emotions can hit so hard in the moment. You're like, I know that shouldn't hurt. <laughs> well, and this is what we were kind of talking about earlier um, uh, prior to starting recording. But, you know, how uh, a lot of people have an attachment to their work yes. um, and are, you know, kind of incapable of taking constructive criticism because they're married to the idea that, you know, their work is them. And it's not, you yeah. know. Yeah, no, it, it's true. And um, and then it just developing that EQ. Yeah, you know yeah. that that emotional intelligence is yeah. so important because we, um, especially if we're creative. Yeah. Especially if we have vision. Well, it's like, right? what was his motive of telling me that? Right. Right. What What else is going on? And the fact yeah. that everybody ended up liking it, people yeah. reached out. You know, yeah. it was something different. You yeah. know, um, and maybe maybe we don't know this individual's. Um, perspective or where he's at in his life especially with risk yeah right so he might be thinking like oh my god who's this gonna piss off and i and i and i we we can get it yeah but you also like yeah but i'm, I'm pushing boundaries clearly yeah um to think outside the box and that's never easy for a lot of people too so there's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot uh that goes on in that kind of you know paradigm shift of you or that paradoxical like approach you yeah, know there were some there were some layers to that incident yeah, so. I, I'm sure I could see it on your face. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, you, we didn't really talk too much about rigidity, um, but that you know, rigidity is kind of I I thought of this as a topic of like it can cause blocks. Absolutely, and I wanted you to expand on that. Um, I think that a lot of people experience stagnation in their lives because they look at their life as. I go from here to here to here to here. And I, it, each step is mapped out. Like, yes. you know, it's kind of like that stereotypical, you go to school, you get a job, you get married, you have <laughs> right. kids, blah, 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 blah. And everybody has this like grand master plan and they don't know what to do when shit hits the fan. Right. Um, and that's what life is. It's utter chaos. Like there's just, you know, we're, we're a bunch of particles just smashing into each other and you got to make sense of it as you go along. Right. Um, nothing is ever going to happen the way you want it to happen. Right. Well, and then once you once you remove that attachment and move 
via your elevated energy yeah. or frequency, life begins to look and feel a lot different. A lot different. Like, Absolutely. It's a whole other lens. And I think that that's where the part, you know, if you look at it um, in a singular uh, kind of like a linear approach. Yeah. Your your world is just like you're looking through blinders. Basically, yeah. you're not seeing ninety percent of what else is out there. Yeah. You're just seeing that one small ten percent that's out in front of you. Right. And, and and it's interesting because that one small little percentage is based on a series of past experiences that Absolutely. have made up your current reality. Yeah. And. Your current reality isn't really a reality. It's based off of what <laughs> you well, know, what you think you're seeing. There is really no blueprint for success. Like right. You can't you can't look at what's been uh, applicable to your father, your brother, your it's sister, true. whatever, and made them successful and say, "All right, I'm going to use these same uh, principles in my own life right. and expect the exact same results." It's just not going to happen. Right. Your truth, I think, is uh, if you can move in your truth. Yeah. And with a, an emotional intelligence of understanding who you are and in relation to the world, yeah. then I think everyone's you know, blueprint will be revealed in its exact you know, DNA for that person, yeah. you know, the exact journey. But that's a, that's a hard concept for a lot of people because like, cause I, and I get it. A lot of people that like mentor me or give me something to attach onto and it's sort of like, well, it's a discovery process. Absolutely. And I think if you put people in the discovery mode, then they're going to get a lot more of their answers fast. And discovery requires execution and moving. I think there are a lot of intelligent human beings uh, on this planet. Uh, I think the problem is most of them have never had an abstract thought in their mm. entire life. They can regurgitate information and tell you whatever statistic. Right. But they can't, you know, perform like they can't create their own reality. Right. They can't, you know, perceive things in a different way than what they're used to. I always uh, say to people, but how do you feel? Yeah. Because if you can feel your way through it and understand it, now you're dealing with it versus regurgitating yeah. a stat, stat. Well, this person said that, or this media outlet said that, or this, this, is, this teacher said that, this is how it is. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, how do you feel Absolutely. about that? I think that was probably the best thing uh, about bartending is I got to observe people. Oh, yeah. And I got to interact with a lot mm -hmm. of different ones. And when people are drunk, they're basically cavemen. They are boiled down to the basic Absolutely. version of human being. Right. And um, one of my favorite things uh, when I was bartending was uh, I would ask people, well, what do you want? And they go, I don't know. I'm like. I think that's something that's applicable to more than just drinks. It's, right. It's basically what happens on a daily basis right. in major life decisions. What do you like? What oh, do you actually want? Yeah. Well, what do you like? Yeah. I, I haven't taken time to, to date to myself and, and know. Uh, I don't know what my drink yeah. is. I don't know what my uh, what my passion is. I don't know what this is. I, and, you know, and that, that which is why you're seeing, I think, such an upsurge in, in meditation and like um, being comfortable with your mindful mindfulness yeah. and, and, and being and going in and be like, all right, yeah, who the fuck am I? And what do yeah. I like? You know, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I know this is probably going out to your family. So if they heard that, you know, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? I swear. Like a we, 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 we cuss on this program. <laughs> it's very raw and unfiltered. I said shoot earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember the last time I said that. <laughs> right. Well, what were you going to say? Um, I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, just, that, just that people don't always, um, know what they want. I think that the more that they spend time with themselves, yeah. what do you like? What do you not like? Like it, And it's okay to not like things so you Absolutely. know what you do like or yeah. can figure out what you do like. And, and I think that that, again, removing that rigidity of like, this is how things should be yep. and moving into adaptation and flexibility of, let's see what can happen yeah. if I just not get in my own way yeah. and not allow the world to dictate how the world should be for me and allow the world to unfold as I'd like to experience it. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're going to get into a deeper conversation. <laughs> we always do on this program anyway. So you get it. <laughs> it happens actually to all everybody. Goes well, because there's, there's, you know, there's so much that goes on in, in, in everybody's journey when they're, you know, I think that if you're out there and you're taking risks yeah. and you're trying new things, that that's the whole point of every guest that comes on as well too, is like, yeah. it, it's because it's like, we're having to, look at ourselves in a lot of different situations about like that was interesting what did i learn from that um i think anybody that takes risk has to have a reflection period it, it's it's an automatic part of risk Absolutely. taking 
you know, and I'll oh, go ahead. I wonder how many of those people that you've had on, uh, if you'd ask them if you, if they would have seen themselves where they are now, you know, as a kid or, you know, 20 years ago, uh, how many of them would actually say that that's exactly what they wanted to do? Well, I, this is an interesting assessment in a theory. Um, they would all say every one of them would say uh, yes. And every yeah. one of them would say no. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, because and I've said this to people before. If you look at what you were doing from the ages of like eight, 12 or so to about 21. Yeah. There you're in a very highly intuitive state, whether a person realized it or not. I actually had learned about this, about um, the closer you are to birth, if you will. Yeah. Um, and coming into this world and less um, noise, well, even though you're experiencing a lot of noise over those years. Yeah. But you're in a highly intuitive state of like creativity and uh, internal dialogue, like an eternal knowing, if you yeah. will. At 21, 22, what happens? Well, you need to become more responsible. Yes. Right? What guidance counselor says at school, what are you going to do now? That's cute. Photography yep. or, or creativity and design and fashion and art, music. Yeah, that's cute. What are you going to do for, for your life, right? Whatever, yeah. all this stuff. And then what happens is you go on for a little while and you realize that that's not so fulfilling, at least in this day and age. Like that conversation used to be buried deep down inside from previous yep. generations, but now it's happening in all generations at an, in a modern age. And what's happening is they're getting right back to where they were from that 8, 9, 10, 11 till 21. We're like, oh, shoot, I ended up in music. I ended up in fashion. I ended up in, in art. I that's ended up in, you know, in this business and doing woodworking, which is where I used to do as a teenager. And you're like, yeah, yeah actually, you did. That's, I mean, you that's know. essentially what my life was. I there mean, I go. was an artistic kid, and then I realized I was good at sports, and I focused on that. And then um, when I was in college, uh, I actually wanted to take a photography class, and they yeah. wouldn't allow me to take it because it wasn't part of my major. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, that's as an 18-year-old. Fast forward, I'm 28, and uh, I, you know, blew my knee, my knee out and yeah. was recovering and decided to buy a cheap uh, camera on eBay. I believe that there's two types of people um, that there's everybody has the internal knowing. Yeah. Somewhere at a very, very, very young age, they are so in their conviction of their internal knowing that nobody's going to tell them otherwise. And they yeah. go on and they do it. And then there's the other category, which most of us fall into, which is an internal knowing. But we might have gotten deterred a little bit just because of yeah. life and, and influences. And we get back. We get right back to the basics, right back to that internal knowing one way or another. I don't think that we can escape a certain, like, an internal knowing. It's just, it's, it's in us. Yeah. It's just in us. And it, it just happens. So, so that's why I said everybody that, was come, that has come on the show would say yes, and they would also say no. no. But they would say yeah. at the same time because it's, yeah. it, um, some have been doing it since day one. Some of it went back, you know, and, and we, we had one, uh, the, the woman who owns Chicken Soup for the Soul uh, now, um, you know, she went to school specifically for like uh, literature or literary arts in um, South America or something. I, I, I hope she doesn't hate me for not knowing the exact <laughs> thing. Um, goes into high finance for like 15, 20 years. No kidding. And then boom was like, I want to do something different in my life. Yeah. Ends up right back to her 20 year old self, goes right into publishing and art and stories and writing and, you know, all that. Ends up, you know, doing a deal with Chicken for the Soul, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Ends up acquiring it, doing all the stuff. Yeah, right back into literature after all that time. But see how it's interesting going right back yeah, to your your youth. Uh, sometimes taking a step back like that too is what allows you to see what's in front of you. Yes. Well, I, I will, and I, I'll also uh, to bring out the positive in moving away sometimes from an internal knowing. We also gain experience. Yeah. Because now I can I can bring a business mentality uh, from a lot of experiences into managing creative outlets or creative approaches to things or different industries I like to go into yeah. that wouldn't have come from kind of doing a lot of, you know, different things in parallel with my passions at the same time. Yeah. You know? So it's like we, <laughs> you know, again, the cyclical nature of all this stuff. Right. So yeah. is there, what do you uh, what do you have coming up? What, what's going on right now with, uh, you know, you've got a couple things in the in the fire. Uh, so I've got a um, music publication. Uh, that I'm working on. Uh, it's going to be three part, uh, essentially, um, starting with social media, mm -hmm. uh, then website, kind of like a blog approach. Right. Um, and then um, probably like a, probably like an annually or like biannually produced print magazine. Nice. Um, Which is coming back. It is. Print is coming back from the millennial like generation. To, people like to have those yeah. things in their hands. Yeah. They like to have something Very coffee that's coffee table style now. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Boutique, you yeah. know, limited exactly. production. Exactly. So, um, working on that currently. And then um, 
I've got a couple of just small business ventures that provide passive income that allow me to pursue uh, what I'm truly passionate about, which is photography. Yep. Did, did, did everybody hear that? He said he had a couple of small business ventures that provide passive income. So yeah. I, I'm a huge believer in that. Like, that's, yeah. you know, I've got a, a couple that are starting to do that as well. It's like yeah. you, you need it. And I think uh, and, and even nurturing them a little bit along the way. So Absolutely. You, can, you know, you continue to use those. And, yep. and uh, but that's. We're, we're more than one thing. We're very multi-hyphenated in, yeah. uh, in this new this new age, man. And it, I think it's cool. It's a fun time. It man. is. Um, it allows you to, you know, not be bored. So. That's that's true. And I mean, and, you know, the thing is, is we can apply what we do well in our lane, but to multiple things. Absolutely. I have found that, like, you can play multiple things using yeah. your, your, your specific lane driving. Yes. And in tandem with others, of course. And so. passive income doesn't necessarily... that mainly don't put the work in i mean all oh the, yeah all the work is on the front end oh yeah and uh, there's a lot of it and then you basically have to set yourself up to be able to allow other people to manage what you've created after that fact. amen i at the, when i started moving in more of that direction it, it absolutely and it's it's a lot of fr- upfront front end heavy work heavy systems lifting. putting all the systems yep. and everything into place and be like Whew, that was a marathon you know and then but then you know it's uh you get to reap what you sow Absolutely. so it's, you know it's awesome where can people find you online uh you can look me up on my instagram it's uh francis cole cameron um that's i mean that's how you find anybody these days right. i guess so. any any other like websites any other uh accounts oh, do you have my website other? is so outdated that's all good. I, <laughs> I i get it i get it i finally updated mine last year yeah. and I, even then now i'm like nah things have changed yeah, yeah. <laughs> things keep no, changing exactly you know so cool. cool. Yeah. Um, appreciate having you on. You know, Thank it's a very so journey driven podcast. So I, I, I'm looking forward to round two. So yeah, whether, same. you know, two, three months from now, six Love months that. from now, uh, I want you to come back on. We can pick a whole other topic. I feel like we'll probably do really part two okay. of really where we were heading with this. Because <laughs> yeah. I know I know we're going to go even deeper on the second run. But uh, just appreciate having you on the show, man. And like in your background, I also appreciate you sharing the um, the approach to your journey and like that kind of not a loose mentality, but an adaptable mentality of like, Hey, you know, opportunity, cool. This might work. Let me try it. Yeah. And I think it shows people like, Oh wow. Like maybe I am thinking too much and I shouldn't. And I'm cool. a, I'm a chronic overthinker too. And yeah, I, I just, a lot of artists can be, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I used to be a lot more, I'm still there, but it's getting more fluid, more and more fluid. Cause yeah. you know, practice of like yeah. how to move more fluidly. Yep. Everything be, has how to just about trust flow. the process too. Yeah. Yep. And, and that takes practice. Yeah, it so, does. Because then once you start tapping into that eternal knowing all of a sudden, boom, like, yep. you're like, Oh yeah, no, 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 yep, no, yep, no, yep, no. <laughs> so, uh, awesome. And I appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, for everybody listening, make sure to check out at Francis Cole Cameron on ins- at Francis Cole Cameron. Yeah. Full, yep. Yeah. Uh, Francis Cole Cameron on Instagram. Follow him, reach out to him, DM him. The man has an insane amount of talent and credibility in photography and entrepreneurship now and in quite a few ventures. And he's seen uh, quite a few things already. Uh, So support him, reach out to him. Like everybody that comes on the podcast, I say this to you guys all the time, like just like just like he Cole brought up, like you can actually reach out to people. Yeah. And, you know, just be appropriate. I always tell everybody, <laughs> like, just always be appropriate. But that, like, you know, everybody that comes on, it's like, hey, we're approachable. Like, this is a, you know, a connected world that we're living in now. Uh, just, I would say, be uh, appropriate and then also be value driven. But uh, reach out to him. Uh, appreciate you having coming on the show. Thank you uh, so much. And, uh, you know, for myself, Matt Gottesman and the, the Hustle Sold Separately, we are out. <laughs>